0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Life is full of ups and downs. i found over the last few years talking to someone, especially a psychologist, has been a really helpful tool for me to make sense of my thoughts. I try to keep it a consistent part of my life because I love being proactive with my mental health. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy provider in the world. BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you're busy like everyone else these days, the good news is it's entirely online. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dill. That's betterhelp.com slash dill. B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot dill. D-Y-L. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Life is full of ups and downs. i found over the last few years talking to someone, especially a psychologist, has been a really helpful tool for me to make sense of my thoughts. I try to keep it a consistent part of my life because I love being proactive with my mental health. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy provider in the world. BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you're busy like everyone else these days, the good news is it's entirely online. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dill. That's betterhelp.com slash betterhel B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot slash dill. D-Y-L. This week I'm joined by a really special guest in Harry Garside. Harry is a boxer who recently returned home from the Olympic Games where he picked up a bronze medal that he'll add to his collection alongside a Commonwealth Games gold. When you think of fighting, you might be guilty of picturing aggressive, intimidating figures. Harry is definitely intimidating inside the ring, but out of it, he's an incredibly thoughtful young man, intent on breaking trends and social norms that significantly contribute to negative masculinity. Most notably of late, he's outlined how ballet gives him an edge, spoke openly about his mental health, wore nail polish in the Olympics and planned to wear a dress in the opening ceremony. Harry's got a lot to offer the world and I'm happy to be jumping on the gas side bandwagon. He's about to transition into pro fighting, so there's no better time to jump on and have a chat. Cannot wait for you to hear this chat. Harry even invites me to be a posse at his upcoming pro fights. I'm Keen. Let's go. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. Many ways, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. Tears, tears,
1: strength. I'm like, I run. She's like, yeah. everyone runs. I'm like, but does everyone go to nice. the Olympics?
0: <laughs> They're sitting there meditating going, oh my God, I think I'm meditating. Like, this how good is this? meditating it's meditating. we like, <laughs> had a
1: Wu-Tang call. I was like, yo, Dylan,
0: thanks for getting us in. Just love it's it. It's knuckle puck time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Harry Garside, welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast, my friend. This is an honor, pleasure and a privilege to have you on the show. Mate, thank you so much. Been looking forward to this all week. How exciting. Hey, we had a chat a while ago. This is before um, the Olympics, before Tokyo, before everything that you were doing. um, Had a little bit of a chat through just social media, what you're up to and the impact you've been able to have in Australia, what you've been able to do. um, And now you're just Harry Garside, this man that I'm just in awe of.
1: Yeah, no, get off it, mate. <laughs> um, no, nah, thank you. I've uh, I've been dying to get on this podcast. I know a few of the boys and, and me absolutely love it. Shout out to Steve and a few of the other boys who are listening. Um, but yeah, I've been looking forward to it, mate. Uh, pretty crazy to think uh, what's happened over the last little two, three months. But um, there's, I've got like a great team around me. So it's like it's like they're the people who really should get the credit for for where I am now.
0: It's funny, and, and sorry, shout out to Steve-O um, as well. I'll give him one because he's uh, a good man for more reports. Could you picture this happening, I suppose, prior to the Olympics, where you wanted to go? Um, we'll get into your story today, where you've come from, what you've done, how you've got there, your ideologies around it, but um, you're very much in terms of, you know, if you sort of think it, you can become it. It's sort of like, in a way, you have really seen this happen and it's made you become who you are.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I'm a I'm a firm believer, and of course, we all have like doubts like within us. One hundred percent. Like I'm not no perfect, but I'm I'm a firm believer. If you are passionate and you believe hard enough, and you train hard enough, and you show up every day, anything that is humanly possible, you can you can achieve. Like the power of the mind, you know what I mean? And I'm I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I'm I wasn't supposed to medal at the Olympics. Australia hasn't won a medal in boxing for thirty three years, and athletically. Mate, there's so many better athletes out there. But I know the things that I do. I do all the one percenters. I make sure that I'm fully prepared for every tournament. And that's why I feel like the universe rewarded me because it sees how much I put in um, all the extras that I do outside of the boxing ring.
0: You really, yeah, mate, I'm really looking forward to breaking this all down today because it's something that is really inspirational, to be honest. It's it's really easy to say that. And it's so easy to read a book about the pet law of attraction and, and to think positively and to, you know, say what you want to do and then it achieves it. Like we all understand that, but to keep rocking up and doing it day after day, day after day when doubts do come in, which is, which is what's happened with yourself. It, it really should be commended. So firstly, congratulations on, on what you've been able to achieve thus far, but in, in a way, I sort of know it's just the beginning for yourself. So I'm very excited that we've been able to connect um, early in your story. Ah, thanks, mate. you Hey, quickly just on the Olympics. Uh, obviously, it was a little bit COVID-dependent. Um, it wasn't like it would normally be, but still an incredible, incredible time. You've come bronze. Uh, you got the. You, you did pole. You didn't get the gold that you you were hoping for, but still an incredible experience nonetheless.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. Mo. I think for me, the Olympic dream started even before I started boxing. 2004, watching Grant Hackett. Um, win the 1500 meter final, like moments like that, even 2005, Australia beating Uruguay to qualify for the world cup, Mark Schwarzer with those two unbelievable saves and John Aloisi, bring it home. Oh, I see your beauty. Um, bring it home. But like stuff like that, moments like that really sort of built this massive patriotism. And I wanted, I really wanted to, to end up on the level, the same level as someone like a Grant Hackett or Kathy Freeman, um, Ian Thorpe, people like that. and, yeah, it was it was a bloody long journey to get there. I failed five times to make the Olympics, uh, five different times, twice in Rio, twice for Tokyo and uh, once for the Youth Olympics in 2014. So it was a long journey to get there, but to get there and just be able to look down at my heart and see the Olympic rings with the Australian emblem, something special.
0: So it's funny because with boxing, I suppose there's two avenues you can take. There's obviously amateur and professional, um, you know, we're chatting off air about this earlier, but you sort of saying that amateur route, you know, that goes to the Olympics to win the gold medal. Um, you weren't really just ticking a box with that, were you? That was actually why you wanted to go was to, to perform for your country and, and win, win gold.
1: Yeah, and, and the reality is, mate, people are like praising me for getting a bronze, but it was a failure. Like us as athletes, we have, you mean, you got to train for the best and the reality was bronze wasn't what I went there for um you mean it was it, and I hope I genuinely hope it has inspired the next generation of young boxers in Australia just to, to show that we can win medals and hopefully fingers crossed a young boxer comes through especially leading into Brisbane um, 2032 Olympics fingers crossed it changes their mindset and let's hope that an Australian can um can take out a gold medal because we've never won one for boxing
0: as impressive as you've been in the boxing arena I think it's it's uh, a lot saying this, but I think it's more impressive of what you've been able to probably show as a person and your values and the way you've opened up with your vulnerabilities and where you've come from and how you've done it and all these adversities that you face in life. Um, that's probably what I'm really proud about more being an Australian rather than the fact that you've, you've been there and and won the bronze. So your boxing journey is just one little facet of, of who you are. And I think that's what I want to unpack today is all these like little other things that have made you you, Harry Garside. Let's go back then to early life. Um, Lilydale boy, loud and proud. Firstly, hey, I don't baby. think I've ever actually been out to Lilydale. What's it What's it like out
1: there? Heaps of free-range chickens, mate. That's what Lillydale's <laughs> fans are for. Um, it's nice, man. Like when I was growing up, it's a lot more like, Suburban now. When I was growing up, there was a lot more farmland and there was a lot of space and stuff like that. Uh, But yeah, there's a lot more houses now. It's pretty much just like a normal, like you go 10 minutes one way to Ringwood, there's buddy skyscrapers now. And you go 10 minutes the other way to Yarrow Glen and there's just complete farms. So it's a beautiful area, man. Um, Yeah, I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest of three boys. Dad's fairly old fashioned. Um, You mean, so like very blokey sort of household. Um, But mum was definitely at the top top of the food chain so it was a definitely a patriarchal household um but yeah there was a lot of males in my life for sure
0: and your story I suppose growing up um you, you've alluded to this a lot in, in previous chats that I've heard before but you sort of spoken about how much it sort of shape, uh, shaped you as you've grown up now I suppose you were from Lilydale. obviously growing up um a lot of what you're about at the moment is being able to you know, demasculise men and not having to be uh, the alpha, all these types of things. Can you talk us through your childhood, um, what you were probably like as a younger a younger male and, and how that all came about?
1: Of course. I think the things that, that I know me personally, the things that I was trying to get across through the Olympics with breaking down masculinity and, and these roles that are pushed on us by society um, about how a male is supposed to act or how, for me how a side is supposed to act like, When I was younger, mate, I felt like I entered school, being the youngest of three boys, and I got there and they're like, you're a gar side," And I felt like there was this role or expectation of how I was supposed to act. And don't get me wrong, I played that role for a long time, most of my childhood. And only when I was about probably 16, 17, did I start questioning that role of like, being that blokey alpha male doing the dumb stuff at school saying the stupid jokes like when I was younger and and stuff like that because that's what I saw at home that what that's what was role modeled to me by the males in my life and that's how a male is supposed to act Um, but only as I said only when I was about 16 17 did I start challenging them and questioning them, and I'm still in that process of like delving into myself and figuring out who I am, what I like, um, because I felt like I had to hide it a little bit when I was younger because I felt like the fear of the judgment from the males in my life and, and stuff like that. So I'm getting a lot better now at showcasing to the males in my life that this is who I am and, like, I'm trying to learn to love myself completely for the good, the bad, and the ugly.
0: Is that where the, the boxing came into early? Like, it was was that the, a part of the tough guy mentality? Was it Was it getting into boxing, fighting? Um, like I know growing up, um, I'm not making a joke about this, but any kid that did boxing, I was fucking shit scared of.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think there's definitely an element. And the funny thing is, mate, I haven't told many people this, but I was like such a pussy or like a wimp more so when I was younger. Like, mate, compared to my brothers, they were so blokey bloke. Like they would go down the hill, no hands. Like we've got a pretty steep hill out the front of their house. And they would go down the hill, no hands. And I'm like, mate, there's no chance of even riding down on the bike in general. Um, I was just like, nah, I'm not about that stuff. And I think I initially started boxing to gain respect from my brothers. Um, they didn't do it, but um, they were always fighting on the footy field and, and at school and stuff like that. And and then I went to the boxing ring, mate, and they get, boxers for some reason get this tough guy, like, respect. And I can't, I can't, I'm not going to lie mate. I don't even know if we deserve it. Like, I've been hurt more. In other sports, I've been put in hospital when I played football in under nines. I've never been put in hospital for boxing. Um, you know what I mean it's just like, but we get this recognition um, from other people that it's like such a tough sport. And don't get me wrong, you're extremely vulnerable when you're in a ring, one hundred percent. But I, I do think you get hurt probably more in like like AFL or rugby or something like that.
0: I think with boxing, though, for my own fear of that. It's like I've played team sports my whole life. I've I've played where you can you can probably hide in a team, like you've got teammates around you that you can support and if you're having an off day, someone can pick up the slack. If you're playing well and other people don't have to so much. The thing with boxing that scares me but also is a reason I have so much respect for it because we did a lot of boxing training when I was playing footy is when you get in the ring, it's got to be one of the most mentally tough things in the world because you know at the end of the day it's you versus someone else. Like you can't hide everyone's watching two people and and there's at the end of the day, it's up to you what happens in, in that play. So it, it is in terms of mentally, it has to be one of the toughest sports there is.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that, mate, um, like combat sport in general. Um, it takes like a different human to, to do it. I think. And it's, as I mentioned before, one of the, the most vulnerable places we can be as a human, but I also feel this is getting a bit spiritual. But I also feel it's like the most natural thing we can do. Like, from the dawn of time, we have fought to survive and and fought to get food or um, we've hunted and, and that's that's how we survive. And it's almost like we've gone into combat a lot. Um, and it's like when, I, when I'm when i in that ring, mate, for me, the whole world stops and, I, and that feels so natural. It feels so right. It's like for me as well, when I like walk through say a rainforest or something like that, like I was in the Dane tree up, up in Cairns recently and like I was walking through, it sounds so silly, but I was walking through going like, this is where humans are from, like somewhere like this. And I just felt like I was at home. It was weird. And that's the feeling I get when I'm in a boxing ring.
0: I don't know if uh, I'm doubling down on this or absolutely ruining what you've just said, but what I'm picking up, what you're putting down there, and again, could be way off, but I've found as well in my life when it comes to like, you said that fight or flight thing, which is so natural for humans, you know, like from the, the start of time, the best things in my life that have come from what's come from is those situations. In fact, it's like when you don't have another choice, like you've either got to get moving or you're going to go backwards. And, you know, I talk about, you, you can talk about it from anything. It's like loss of career, loss of relationship, uh, loss of friendship, um, loss of someone close to you. It's like be better, be better. You go to that fight or flight, which is the same sort of action. And it's like, you, you can only move forward.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more, mate. I think it's like, it's the time where I feel most alive when I get that fight or flight response. You know what I mean? It's like even I was telling a story recently, like in 2020, I failed to make the Tokyo Olympics and I didn't even, in my head, I didn't even think that was possible. Like I just planned that I was making it and then I was going to focus on winning the gold medal, right? And I failed. And like I have never howled, you know, when a human hows and like they cry that internal cry, Like, it sucked while I was in it, but I was, like, I dropped to the ground and I was just, like, in hysterics. And I look back now, mate, far out, it made me feel so alive and, like, it made me feel so good to be human. Um, And it was, like, one of the worst times of my life, like, emotionally. Man, I was, like, look back now, I felt so alive in that moment.
0: For sure. I don't think I've ever, like, for me, with sport and then just picking up that point is, like, I don't think, unfortunately for me, like, I didn't have that as much of a desire for it, I don't think. And that's why I, I know that's why it didn't work, but I, my heart wasn't fully there. I was like, I didn't really want to it, – it, I just didn't find it as being my calling. I don't think it was what – I wanted to do but yeah who knows if the if my business or podcast was wrapped away from me tomorrow i would know that would cut me to the core rather than uh you know not being able to win a game of footy let's go back to what we were talking about before just about like growing up in school um and being this alpha model now i know you know hunter johnson i had a chat with him a few weeks ago from um the man cave and he's doing some incredible things and Since that chat, man, I I can't believe how much I've just been reflecting on certain things that I used to do when I was a kid, and how embarrassed we really are of 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 these feelings. Like you spoke about before, you were scared to to go down um, a hill, like, but you you just felt you had to do it because our egos, like our egos as males. They're our best friends because they get us and they get us competitive, but they're also our worst enemy because they don't let us be vulnerable in certain situations.
1: Like the time where I felt I recharged and it fully hit me, what I had what I had accomplished and it's almost like coming off the high of the Olympics was when I got home.
0: So we spoke about earlier um, you going through these phases uh, and you, I know you're a big fan of Ben Crow, so I'm going to use some of his language here your crucible moment, okay? There's a there's crucible moments through everyone's life where things happen, um, you face adversity or you find a new ideology that you love. Where did you pick up the whole notion of, I don't want to be this stereotypical male, I want to follow my own path and, and be happy in my own skin?
1: Yeah, I think like I always felt like that in, internally, whether it was conscious. I don't think I really like was conscious with it until I was about 17, 18 when the Reach Foundation entered my life, but I always felt like I wasn't living my true authentic life. Like I was playing a role that I felt other than I'm, and I'm still guilty of it now, mate. Like we all want to feel, we all want to fit in. We all want social connection. And, and the reality is probably one of my biggest motivators is like, I never felt good enough growing up. And it's like, when I achieve this, I will feel good enough. When I, what you mean? I'll have friends, you know, this, stuff like that. I just want to feel like connected to people. And, I felt when the Reach Foundation, it was a foundation really close to my heart. They had some, they come and did a school workshop when I was 16. And from that point, like I really delved into myself and, and try to understand myself more and what I like, um, who I am, I'm still working it out. Um, and through that process of, of really trying to discover myself, like I've learned to like really express myself more and express myself how I want to express myself and it's funny, like, I'm sure you'll be able to vouch for this too. Like, the boys in my group, they'll be like, they'll take the piss out of me in a group setting, like, oh, mate, you are just like, you are hippie or, mate, you are so spiritual, you're so weird. But then one-on-one, they're like, oh, you're so, like, what meditation app do you use? Like, what yeah. do you write in a journal? <laughs> yeah. You know, they want to know. Everyone wants to know. Like, they're just, like, really scared to show that they want to know. And that's what, and I'm aware of that. So I'm just trying my best to role model to, to other males that I grew up with or in my life that, like, you can just be or do whatever you want. Like it doesn't
0: matter as long as you're not hurting anyone else. It's so true. I, I I couldn't agree more, especially with with males and and some of my mates. Like even the vice versa. Like they've been into things before me, and I've been like, oh, I'm not doing that. That's that's weird. Like I I, I can't get into that. But I think now my biggest thing in when I look at people, um, and and like yourself, I, I mentioned this earlier, or other people I get on the show is my favorite attributing a person is for them to do their own thing. And I think in Australia, like, we are the, the worst country in the world. Like, we're the best country in the world, um, but we're also the worst country in the world in terms of, you know, we just get spoken about a lot, but tall poppy. And as soon as someone wants to do something they don't want to do, we're very quick to be able to jump on people. But I, I just love people that are breaking down, trying new things. Um, you know, what gets me up in the morning is if, if people, I know they've been in a career, they go, fuck it, I want to do something else. And to everyone else, they think, why the fuck are you doing this? But to me, I'm like, fuck, that is unbelievable. That's actually true True bravery. I'm I'm rapt that people do that.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing a girl currently, she lives in Bondi, and she she had a degree in, in HR, human resources. And about a year ago, just over a year ago, she just said, nah, screw it, like. This isn't this is what I want to do, and she started up this hit like a girl um, page, and she's she's doing fantastic, mate. Just like all about women empowerment and and building them up, and I love people like that, and I think that's why I'm really attracted to her, is because she's just like, no, nah, that wasn't that wasn't for me, didn't, didn't fulfil me, didn't make me feel happy, and she actually did something about it. People often talk about it, but she took steps towards it. You know what I mean? She she's like, no, nah, this doesn't serve me anymore. It's time to do something with my life.
0: It's doers, isn't it? Yeah. I, I love love doers and it's it's infectious. When you surround yourself with people that want to do things, they push boundaries consistently, you wanna do it yourself.
1: Yeah, there's that saying you surround yourself with with five millionaires, you become the six. You surround yourself with five idiots, you become the six.
0: Like yep. it's so true. Hey, that um, part as well, just about growing up, and I'm sorry to keep harping on it and bringing it back there, but I think there's a lot to learn in it just in terms of what you just said then, like you are who you surround yourself with and you've chatted a bit about growing up and, and being surrounded with um, your family and, and especially, you know, one of your brothers who is unfortunately, um, you know, gone down a little bit of a, of a wrong track, but if you're happy to, happy to talk about that and did you ever feel yourself that that could have been something if you didn't, you know, identify what was happening in your life earlier?
1: Yeah, for sure, mate. My brother is suffering suffering with mental health issues and and drug addiction, and it's pretty common, man, these days. And uh, when I like our family's kept it sort of pretty quiet for a few years, mate. But when I posted a video recently, so many people in Australia and in in my area are going through something similar, um, and it's just like, like they just need help, man. And and I know me personally, like some of the boys that I grew up with that I could have easily went down that path and don't get me wrong, mate, I'm no saint. Like I'm, I'm one of the boys, one of the lads. I love having a good time. Um, You know, but it's like, if I didn't have boxing, I feel I probably would have ended up like my brother, but you know, boxing has always just been my savior and has been the thing that it's like, that's what I want so much with all my heart. And um, it's, I just wish like my brother had something like, unfortunately he hasn't, he hasn't got that passion or that, that drive for something, you know what I mean? And, and, Breaks my heart, man. Like you just want to help them, but it's like you don't. How? Like someone tell me how? And it's like I'm like I'm I'm like a fixer, and I think a lot of males are. Like once we hear a problem, like all right, let's fix it. You mean? But it's just like I don't know, man. It breaks my heart when I really think about it. But you mean all I can all I've changed? I've gone through so many ebbs and flows of it. Like I've been really aggressive, and and I've hated him because of I'm hurting. And he's tortured my family, but then I've also gone through stages where, like, and I'm at that stage now where it's just like, I'm just going to try and hit him with love, and you know, and just show that, hey, I'm not embarrassed of you. I love you, and no matter what you do, I'm still your brother, and I'm always going to be here.
0: That's massive, man. Like, I, I, I can only imagine how many people would have reached out um, after you know seeing what you've what you've been through with your family because I think you're right. It's one of those things that we, whenever there's something that goes on in family or friends that we're not necessarily proud of or or embarrassed to to let people in and think about um, as soon as you do come out with that bit of vulnerability you'd you'd understand that so many people just want to relate to it and are going through the exact same thing so I commend you and and your family on how you've how you've handled it all because I know you'd be helping so many other families out there you're definitely not the only one going through um, something like this and you know there's so many other facets in in families like separation or or mental health that a lot of people are facing that um, is people to get through i suppose
1: yeah i think as well mate the the time we're living in right now obviously with covid but even prior to covid i felt like there was just a slow divide and covid has just like accelerated that to the max like it's almost like people are like you've got to pick a side you mean anti-vaxxers versus vaccinate you know what i mean there's just like so many things going on. I was just like, man, why can't we all just have a bit more empathy and understanding and, and just, like, pull back the judgment, you know what I mean? Like, we're all human at the end of the day. And Peter Bowl had a great, great comment, the um the 800-meter runner at the Olympics. He's like, he just said in his interview after, like, we're all just human at the end of the day. And it's like, man, people just have more, like, empathy, understanding, pull back the judgment because we're all going through our own. We're all just trying to navigate this crazy thing called life that we don't even understand what it's about why we're here what we're doing no one knows it's all just made up
0: mate you have so much like wisdom and and character for such a young bloke like i know that you you get this and you get this experience from going through adversity and the things you've been through you've been to the top of your game in sport you've had some some tragic you know things happening with your family at the moment but where, where do you else do you get this like identity from How do you learn this stuff is it is it self-taught? Um, is it the things that you're putting in between your ears? Is it the things that you're consuming? Like, how do you actively go out and seek these parts of knowledge that you know you're, you're fueling your mind with with positive, you know, information?
1: Yeah, I think like that. I'm definitely growing up. I have like two. My my mom who's a medium um, talks to dead people, um, and my dad's like the bloke bloke. So like great mix. Mum like was into crystals and tarot cards, all like all, all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, like a lot going on, but. Um, having like those two role models growing up, I've always been really sort of like into some weird stuff. And one of the things I love most about myself is my willingness to try and do anything, no matter what it was, I'll give it a crack. Um, and I think as well, mate, the beauty of the world we live in with our phones, a lot of people diss phones and stuff like that. But like, mate, information for days on these things, like podcasts, positive things, it's, all, it's, all, it's like we have two wolves inside of us. You know what I mean? Someone said this to me recently and it was fantastic. Two wolves inside of it. a positive one and then like an inner critic, a negative one, right? And it's like whatever wolf's bigger is the one we feed. So I like to feed, like listen to a lot of positive things, really conscious about the people I'm viewing online. Like I don't want to see people who are going to make me feel bad or constantly sharing stuff that's going to make me feel negative. Get rid of them. I don't need them. I just want to see positive things, things that are going to inspire me, things that are going to lift me up. And I'm just also really curious about the world, which I think is one of the most important things as a human. When we're curious, I think it takes away the judgment. you know what I mean when're not like, when, like, when I'm real curious, I'm just like, "Why are they doing that? Like no judgment, just like, why are you doing that?" And just trying to understand how people live life, and then I'm taking a bit from here, taking a bit from there, and just like trying to evolve and grow my own life.:
0: I love that wolf quote more than anything. Um, we'll get the, the full analogy of that up, but it is easily my favorite quote um going around so well done on that secondly what are some of the two or three things that have really changed your perspective on life and the information that you say would be the biggest that you've got um is it you know gratitude mindfulness what what are like the two or three things that you found have really impacted you personally the most
1: uh i think probably of course like meditation stuff like that are great
0: just on meditation sorry harry how do you meditate? Because I know, again, that's something that we've spoken to Emma Murray about. There's so many different ways to meditate. The way I learned um, years ago, like I really struggled with because it was like 40 minutes of fucking meditating a day and I couldn't even sit in a room by myself for three minutes, let alone meditate. Um, and there's different ways to do it. How, what's your process?
1: I'm the same as you, mate. I work in, like my brain goes million miles an hour. So I struggled at the start to sit down still for five, ten minutes. Generally struggled. So someone gave me a hint. When going for a walk, leave your phone at home and and see like five things you can see, five things you can hear, um, two things you can smell, like, like this, bring to your present moment. You don't have your phone, no distractions. That's how I started it. And now I'm a lot better. I've been doing it for ages. I can sit down now. for I've done an hour of meditation before and stuff like that. And my uncomfortable thing this month, I do a challenge once a month, is to meditate for a full day. So that is going to be a massive challenge. A lot of things are going to come up, but... I do. I'm a lot better now. I can sit down for 10, 20 minutes. I usually do that a day, aim for about 10 to 20, sometimes guided, sometimes not. Um, and yeah, I, f- I feel a lot more comfortable. Like I like to do it in the morning because that's when I feel like the time goes quicker. And when I'm doing it in the late afternoon, mate, my, my brain just like, I've seen too much today. My brain goes, goes nuts. So um, I like to do it in the morning. makes me, sets me up for the, my day as well.
0: So did you just say then this month you're going to attempt a 24-hour meditation?
1: So it's twelve hours, so sun up to sundown, but I'm gonna do um, three, four hour blocks. Um, so I do a challenge once a month that makes me uncomfortable and, and I think this is gonna be something coming off the high of the Olympics. I'm down pretty low right now, not gonna lie. Like naturally that happens. I prepared for this. So it's like I feel like there's gonna be a lot come up when I do it.
0: What what do you get from these challenges? Like I know, uh, another if we're going to be rattling off quotes today, another one that um, I used to come up with was like getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Is that basically what what it is? Is it is it getting comfortable putting yourself outside of your comfort zone?
1: Yeah. So I learned this from numerous people, some from the Reach Foundation, and also this program the Australian Institute of Sport ran, Gold Medal Ready program, which was with the Commando Regiment and past Olympic gold medalists and. The thing I took most out of it, as you said, was get comfortable being uncomfortable and I've been doing it since the start of 2019, done so many challenges, man, had some really hard conversations with the males in my life, ex-partners as well, Um, wore makeup for a day, public reading, which is a tough one, I'm academically a little bit challenged, Um, started ballet, did 48 hours, no talking, which was hard for me, mate, because I love talking, um but yeah all challenges I've just learned something new um from each challenge and and it just like reality is mate the more that we can push our comfort zone the more that we grow naturally so um I've really enjoyed it and I'm going to continue doing this for a long time I think
0: is it addictive like I and I'm not an athlete anymore but I know those mind games that you play in your head you know like when you're running or anything you you sort of trick yourself like i went for a run this morning and i still can't get out of this mindset of like tricking my brain like i I really don't run anymore i'm not fit at all but i did a 5k k run and in my head i was like i'll just go and do two k's then you're like i'll do one more then but in the back of your mind you're like i know i'm going to get to five but you just like keep pretending that you're just going to go one more you're just going to get to the next tree you know, if you don't do this, then this won't happen. So you just continually just keep pushing yourself, pushing yourself more. Is that the the loophole that that you just find yourself down?
1: hundred I think that's growth mindset, mate. And it, it's like I remember I go for I go for a walk on a Sunday because my coach like don't train because I'm, I'm I love training and don't train on Sunday. You need to have a rest day. So I'll be um, I'll be walking, going for a, walk, a brisk walk on a Sunday, <laughs> and then the the clock, the Nike will come and go, ten um, minutes, twelve k. And I was like the next K, ten minutes four. I'm thinking, All right, I'm getting quicker. And then I start I end up walking by the eight minute eight eight minute K's. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, just slow down. Like there's no need for this, but that's the reason why we are where we are, I think. Like you need to have that mindset where you're always wanting to grow and challenge yourself physically and, and mentally, of course.
0: Someone I, I hope um, you, you might be across him already, but I've had a chat with uh, in the past who I've worked with a car and with David Butterfan who runs Azoin's Builders.
1: Does the uh, yes. the, the walks? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've heard of him. He's
0: fantastic. He does the walks up in Tasmania. I'm actually going to one um, in February next year. So it's going to be really, really tough. Like in my head, as soon as I finished footy, I was sort of like, oh, fuck, I'm so happy. I don't have to do that sort of stuff anymore. <laughs> but as soon as you leave, you actually crave it. Like you crave being in those situations where you want to push yourself and you need someone to help you do that. Um, well, I do anyway. And there's one thing that I'm like genuinely – like not even going to lie, like I'm genuinely really nervous for is um a part of the – on the trip. You're like all the other shit doesn't bother me. Like the hikes, the runs, the cold water immersions, you know, being vulnerable, all these sort of things don't bother me. The one thing is uh, there's we're going cave diving or cave exploring and like I am like the most claustrophobic person in the world and like even talking about it now, like I'm starting to sweat. So I'm sort of like in, in my mind I'm – petrified and I want to pull out but I'm also like fuck maybe this is the time to like finally be able to like face it
1: yeah I love that have you seen the uh, the ad on SAS Australia There's this is like one bloke who's stuck in this like little small tunnel I'm thinking mate that'd be so confronting
0: I cannot do that no I cannot do that at all but um, I'm looking forward to you being on that show hey let's just talk about a couple of people that um inspire you because I know you've got a big list of um of people that you've sort of spoken about recently who, who are some people that you love putting um, out there and listening to their stuff?
1: Uh, so I love, um, I've just recently um, listened to Dr. Khan. Fantastic. She's a Muslim journalist. Um, she's absolutely fantastic. And she, she spent six months on the front line with um, white supremacists in America. And she ended up through the process of just listening and understanding, pulling back judgment, as I spoke about before. She ended within five years the leader of the white supremacists actually left the white supremacists, So it just shows when we, instead of pointing, I feel like the world we live in now is point finger, like you're wrong. You're wrong. Cause you don't agree with me. It's like, she was able to like, she didn't agree with him, but she was able to listen to him understand him. And, and like that, like almost like human, human contact and human connection. Um, and he left the white, white supremacists. Um, other people, Lydia LaSilla, she's a fantastic, absolute superhero. She won gold at 2010 winter Olympics um great story um i listened listen to heaps of like ed millett relentless have you listened to that book before absolutely powerful um he was michael jordan and kobe bryant's um mental coach um of course ben crow who we mentioned before i love listening to him he's an absolute wizard when it comes to growth and self-growth and trying to like love myself unconditionally
0: the the name that you said at the start is mistaken me but it was what you were saying about the emotional intelligence about like listening to people and learning yeah. this yeah. is just coming to my mind now but I actually saw this video the other day which was unbelievable and it again it just shows that like obviously you know we're only 20 odd years old and we've got so much to learn and by no means am I ever we're ever going to have the world figured out you're consistently learning and finding new things but there was this one thing that I saw the other day it was around emotional intelligence and for so long I thought emotional intelligence was just being able to have relationships with people and, and understand but it's more along the lines of being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand what they're going through. And that's something for me, like I really struggled with like a year ago um, was going like, well, this is the way I've grown up. Why the fuck do you have different views from me? You know, Mm -hmm. if you want to, if you want to do something, you got to go and do it. Um, And, and sort of like these black or white rules where I'd sort of live my life by, but I think, the emotional intelligence kicks in and you go well not all people have had the same upbringing you've had not all people have done what you've done and it also shows why people are on just different journeys throughout their life isn't
1: it yeah i heard this really good quote and if people listen to this go away and just listen to this one quote like it's on a podcast and it was like people are just doing the best they can with what they know and it's like once i heard that because i when i was younger man like i used to judge people a fair bit like if I'm like, man, you can do better than that with your life. Like, and I would be really critical. Um, but it's like, once I heard that, I feel it just like put me in my place and was like, people are just, they're trying their best and they're doing the best they can with what they know. Like we can't help what experiences they've had. they, they may not understand like the decisions they make because they haven't had the influences or the role models that, that I've had or um, and once I heard that, man, it changed my whole perspective on on, on the world and, and how I look at other people.
0: Super interesting, um, and that's to say as well, people are probably judging, you know, what we're doing now that uh, we haven't, <laughs> you know, lived the experience of of what's happening. Let's talk um, a little bit about your boxing, mate, because this is something that I'm super interested in. As I said before, I think all combat sport. I have nothing but admiration for combat athletes. I honestly couldn't think of anything worse than doing it myself, but I love I love watching it. Your weight class, you're in. So to get a bit of an idea, I've always like I'm a bit of a pissant. I'm 178 centimeters. I weigh about 70 kilos at the moment. So is that what you? Is that the same as you?
1: Yeah. So I weigh about 70 at the moment, but I'm fighting at 63. So, so you have to cut that much. Yeah, yeah. So, I'll probably walk around. I'm a bit fat at the moment, mate. Like, it been after comp drinking a lot of red wine and <laughs> eating a lot of food. But, um, yeah, I'd probably sit – my optimal training weight would be about 67. I feel that's where I, that's where I feel good.
0: Fuck, I would absolutely smoke you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably, 100%. <laughs> no,
0: that's unbelievable to think that, that we – like, you um, – are the same size as me fuck I would have to box you I think I thought I'd be boxing like way smaller people okay that's turned me away from that (laughs) career it shows how just around that cutting of weight um uh, again these are some real obvious questions that I definitely know the answer to but I'm just asking for other people that don't know the answer to them um obviously how do you cut that much seven kilo weight in a short amount of time
1: Yeah, so the thing about amateur boxing, which probably one of the big things that separates it from professional boxing is we weigh in every day we fight. So professional boxing usually has 32 hours. They weigh in the day before. You can cut a little bit more. But with amateur boxing, because you have to weigh in every day, like you sort of don't want to make it too much of a strenuous weight cut or else you're going to be really depleted. Um, So as I said, I sit around 67. I feel good. And then 10 weeks out, I slowly but surely start bringing it down and uh, I've become a lot better. I don't pull out that much water until I have to. So it's like just just uh, making my diet a bit stricter and and pulling out a few things throughout those 10 weeks leading into a comp. And then like the last kilo and a half, two kilos of the last week, that's all fluid. And fluid you can get rid of the day before in sauna. I like to do it the night before. And then weigh in on the morning, hydrate, feel good, uh, what, what people don't see is like you fight three rounds and then usually you have a harder session after the fight. So like you'll get straight back into your sweat gear straight after the fight and do like 30, 40, 50 minutes cooling down, sweating off just in case you have to fight in a day or two. So that's probably like what people don't see. You have a harder session after your actual fight
0: really so is that that's obviously an amateur boxing because you're backing up after these bouts So you're fighting having and then getting off and doing like a bike session after that to bring your weight back down
1: yeah yeah so straight into the sweat gear there's a few things you can use sweet sweat's a really good cream that we put on um and you just like sweat repulsively like sweat heaps and um yeah it's you don't have the best sleep after it but it is what it is
0: what's the toll what sort of toll does that take on on your body like is it is it dangerous to do this? Like I've heard there's been some pretty bad cases of like when people try and drop weight too quickly, it can really, really not be good for you.
1: Yeah, of course. And I'm sure the UFC have a, have some really bad weight cuts because they don't have enough weight classes. Um, so they a lot of their athletes have some pretty tough weight classes. But in the amateurs, because you have to weigh in every day you fight, people don't really push it that far. People push it a lot further in professional because you have the 32 hours. And in the UFC as well, they're the same. They have a, a day to, to recover from the weigh-in. So amateurs, you don't push it too far. And I'm a lot more experienced now. Like I know what works for me, what's good for my body, what feels good, what, when my weight drops. Like I'm, I'm a very, like, lot more experienced than what I was five years ago. But some people, man, push it way too far and it's very unhealthy. Very unhealthy.
0: Yeah, that seems it seems pretty full on when you can like cut that much weight to, to get into it. Um, but... Yeah, fuck. I I don't know if I'd be able to do it, man. It's it's actually extremely tough to be able to cut that much weight.
1: Yeah, it's all it's all a mental thing, mate. It's all just a mental thing as well. Like it's almost like there's an addiction to it as well. Like, well, I won't lie. Like seeing like sitting in a sauna and you're depleted, feeling flat, and there's like voices going through your head of like, you mean you can't do this? Then you're just battling that internal voice, and it's just like there's like an addiction to it, man. And I haven't put my finger on it completely, but there's something to it. I find
0: really appealing. Yeah. I'm going to have to admit you're a little bit of a sicko there with that one, mate. Um, yeah, of course, <laughs> that's I, I, I can't find the passion in that. I don't know if I'm, if I'm on my own there, but um yeah, you've, you've definitely taken me to the next level uh, on that one. Amateur boxing. Obviously that's what uh, you're in at the moment. You've done the Olympics um, competing for your country. What, is the difference between amateur and pro boxing? Um, how's the transition like? Is it, you know, similar rounds? Is it a similar game? Like, is it, am I right to say you could go straight from amateur and transition into boxing or is it into professional, sorry, or, or is it quite the, um, the, the change?
1: They are, they are like a lot of people classify them as two different sports. Like amateurs is three rounds. You weigh in on the day you fight, you represent your country, which you mean, I take absolute honor and pride in. I love Australia with all my heart and, um like that's what i really enjoy when you turn professional it's from four to 12 rounds so and yeah you're representing yourself more so so that's where you get money you get paid amateur sports you don't receive much like money and stuff like that it's sort of just relied on passion and sponsors and stuff like that so i've done all i can in the amateurs been to a commonwealth games couple of world championships and of course the olympics it's almost time to turn pro, and I think they have just changed the rules in Australia where we can fight both pro and still try for the Olympics and comp games. So if that's the case, mate, I'll probably 100% try and maintain both. If not, I think it's time to turn pro. I've um, got to think about putting food on the table. You can't eat medals and you can't eat trophies. You've got to think about <laughs> your future and, and putting, putting food on the table if you want to have a family and stuff like
0: that. So what does that mean? What what happens with going pro? Because from my little knowledge into boxing, um, it's am I right to say that boxing, professional boxing, is a lot about the politics of boxing? You need to have a good person trying to get you fights, people pushing you. It's not so much on ranking that you, you know, if you win, you're going to beat the next guy. It's more you've actually got to have a good promoter that's going to push you towards these fights.
1: Yeah, it's very political. It's more of a business, mate. The reality is this is a lot of money going through, you know what I mean? Like it's it's a business and you need a good team around you. Um, you need support. And it's almost like the best fighters, like with the amateurs, like we don't know who we're ever going to fight. Like, like I could draw the best guy first up in a, in a tournament or I could draw the worst guy. And that's what makes it really exciting. In the pros, you have a little, little bit more flexibility. You can pick your opponents. You can make yourself, you've had 15 fights, 15 knockouts. You know I mean, you you're, everyone's thinking, geez, you're a million bucks, but you fought 15 taxi drivers. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, like, it just, it's just part of the sport. And, and, and I personally, I want to turn pro and take that amateur mindset where it's like, I want to challenge myself. Like, I know I'm, I haven't got much of a pro style. I'm going to have to change a few things. I want to challenge myself though. I want to fight the best. And, like, if I lose, um, hey, I'll go back to the gym and I'll train harder and I'll be better and I'll fight them again if possible. So, like, that's the mindset I want to go in. I don't really want to have a cushion record where I've fought, as I said, 15 people who are shit. I want to fight some challenging fights and I really want to test myself.
0: What is the, is the biggest difference, like, the style? Like, is it more of a knockout style? You're obviously not wearing headgear. And obviously, professional boxing goes over 12 rounds, so it's a, it's a lot longer of a fight.
1: Yeah, it's more amateur boxing, as I said, it's just fast paced. It's like, you in know, high level chess, professional boxing, you slow it down a little bit more, longer rounds, you plant your feet a little bit more. It's more of a show, like you want to like, you're performing. It's like a, you're, you're performing. When you're, when you're, I feel like amateur boxing, you compete in. But then when you're doing professional, you're performing. So you want to make sure you're looking good and stylish. And if you've got the knockout power, you'd love to be knocking people out. And the crowd, crowd always a lot happier when you're knocking people out rather than just dancing around for 12 rounds.
0: So thinking about it now then, becoming a professional, what is the biggest goal for you? Is it breaking into the States? Is it going into other countries and actually fighting other, other professional boxers?
1: Yeah, of course, mate. I think as an athlete, you've always got to you know dream or think of the best. Like my guy, I want to win world titles. I want to, I want to bring the golden era back to Australia. We've got some really exciting fighters coming through at the moment. Justice Twenty looking really good. Best mate Jason Whaley looking really good. Uh, Maloney twins, fantastic. The boxing overseas and stuff like that. So it's exciting. And I want to bring the golden era back to boxing, mate. I want us all to have world titles and um, we're all pushing each other and making young fighters believe like anything is possible.
0: Who else is in your class, I suppose, an Australian boxer, It's something that isn't as big in Australia. You've definitely somewhat put it on the map um, and people are really, really interested in it at the moment. Is there any other guys or girls that we should be keeping our eyes on um, leading into professional or amateur boxing?
1: Mate, mate, the girls are boxing fantastic at the moment. I really genuinely thought that there was going to be a couple of medals coming out of uh, the Olympic team. Caitlin Parker, Sky Nicholson, boxed really well. Um, Paulo Acuso as well, who was also on the team, boxed fantastically. They're amateurs. And then in the professional, the Maloney twins, um, they're boxing over in America, boxing really well at the moment. Um, Justice Honey, who fought Paul Gallon recently. like It's exciting what what Australia is brewing at the moment. And I really hope that we can all go overseas and and really bring world titles back home. Like I know you probably need to go overseas and win them. And then once you've won them, then you can you know, bring them home. Tim Zuh is boxing fantastically as well. So it's exciting times. I just really hope we can all sort of work together because I feel like that's something that we, we we probably don't do. A lot of people are individual. They don't look after each other. Like I'd rather work together. We've got a lot of fighters in the country. And, like, have that goal of, like, we like I want to take on the world, Australia versus the world. Like, let's go. Let's work together. Let's get this happening. Um, so I hope people have the same philosophy.
0: We spoke a little bit about this earlier um, in, in your training habits, but some of the things that you're getting up to outside of the ring um, that, that are helping you get better at boxing in itself is, is something that's been seriously impressive. You know, you're taking uh, something that is, is boxing, but you're bringing it out into other sports, you know, swimming, riding, running. Um, and ballet even of late have been some of the things you're doing. Talk us through that decision of, of doing that and then maybe some of the other things that you're doing to, to heighten your, your skill and, and fitness going into comps.
1: Yeah, I think I've always just been a super active person, mate, and, and, and I know a lot of people talk about balance and stuff like that. And I definitely obsess about boxing. So well, I'm just really active. Like I love doing different things. been doing a lot of surfing, rock climbing, ballet. Um, I always love when I'm not boxing like right now. I know my hand's pretty screwed at the moment, but like once it's all sorted, I'll be going doing triathlons and stuff like that, staying fit, staying active. Like I always just love the feeling. I'm addicted to the feeling of being fit. So like these are the things that I go. I always just try my best to challenge myself. Ballet has been massive in like helping me grow um and like i'm really shit at it like so bad at it i'm stiff as a board mate um so it's great it's a great thing for me to like improve my footwork coordination technique my teacher always drills me for like turning my back to the bar um I always have chewing gum you can't have chewing gum on the on the, on the mat and stuff like that so i'm got to take that out before i jump on the floor so like just little things like that i really love sort of being told nah like, that's why i love like the army as well like being told that hey like <laughs> with these rules these are the rules you got to follow.
0: That was one of the things with with ballet, like as much as it's about the rules, isn't it seriously one of the most strengthening things in your feet? Like I remember, I think James Hurd used to do a lot of boxing when he had troubles with his calves and feet. And even, you know, back in um, when I was playing footy, Pilates has probably taken the place of it now. But in terms of ballet, it pretty much is like floor Pilates really.
1: 100%. I know Arnold Schwarzenegger did it as well. Um, heaps of heaps of famous people have done it in there and I, I know it's getting a lot of limelight and like people think it's weird but i think if you really sit down and think about it any dancing whatever whatever style it is would be good for any sport like it's honestly so good for movement mobility um technique like coordination and stuff like that and just doing something different as well. So. Um, I'll continue doing ballet. I hope I'm good enough one day that I'll be able to do a performance. I love, I love to do one in my hometown. Imagine all the boys and the beers and the crowd—they'll be going nuts. So, <laughs> maybe one day.
0: Mate, we've spoken about um, you know what you want to achieve on in in the ring, which is seriously impressive. But I, I think there's still another facet to you that there's there's so much more that you you want to do in your life that's outside of the ring. Like, have you ever had a thought about? now what you want to do off uh the sporting arena um as as a person i suppose you've you've got all these things you you want to help you know masculinity and men and, and mental health um is there anything else you've been thinking that you want to get involved in or achieve outside of sport
1: yeah of course there's definitely um like last year was probably the year that really made me wake up like i was 23 last year boxing got taken away from me for the first time in my life and I haven't got a job. I haven't got a degree. I haven't got an apprenticeship. Like I'm a plumber, but like I don't. I don't have an apprenticeship. Um, you know what I mean? So I was like, I really last year really made me think. Like, okay, I have got to start thinking about like what I'm going to be doing when I'm forty, fifty. And I would love to like eventually. I want to be successful in the business world and stuff like that. I don't want to be like really making moves and have like drive, passion, and, and hunger in that world. I want to be a lion in that world. And also would love to like open up a boxing gym in like a low socioeconomic area and just like have it free for kids like imagine opening up one in Dandenong or something like that and and really changing some young people's life and I couldn't care less about creating champions I just want to create good humans and I think combat sport um, really creates and and fills young people with some some direction some great life skills that are going to be implemented for the rest of their life so um, my ideal scenario would be like implementing combat sport into school system I think that's probably not possible the world we live in is a bit of a nanny state (laughs) being in victoria but that would be the dream as well
0: well i can't comment on this because i haven't grown up doing boxing but i know one thing that the boxing does do for for young kids and especially kids that might be uh you know treading down the wrong path is it does give you discipline it does give you routine and it does gives you structure um and they're the three things that any young person needs to be successful i feel anyway it's not so much actually about the boxing. It's more just about what it actually gives you holistically.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, mate. And I've seen – I come from a great family, mate. I've got – of course, we all, all, every family's got their issues, but got two great parents. Um, I didn't have any real problems growing up. Uh, but I have seen boxing single-handedly, like, change young people's life. I have seen them come from broken homes, having a dad that was never around, and, and it's honestly changed their life, and it's like their home. Um, the place where they feel most safe most comfortable and they're you mean know, they're learning as you said learning things about themselves and things that will like carry for the rest of their life and if young people could experience that more whether it be boxing like I can understand because of the head trauma but like taekwondo wrestling these are the things that you could probably implement into schools a little bit more I think young people would take so much out of it
0: I think I couldn't agree more um and for me, it's not even so much about whatever sport it is. It's just actually being a part of a community, um, being a part of something that's that's bigger than yourself. And that's one thing that I really miss from football. It's actually not playing sport. It's not being in a team. It's not winning the game. It's actually just being a part of a group of people that are all going towards the same thing or have the same interests um, and continually pushing each other. So, yeah, one day when, when I'm a dad, I think, the one thing that I really, um, you know, my, I want my kids to do whatever they want to do. There's no stress at all, but it's just being a part of something else that's not just all about them.
1: Yeah, 100%, man. I couldn't agree more. I think it's one of the most important. And I, I think about this all the time. Obviously, with what's going on with COVID at the moment, but like imagine young people, imagine being like five or six years old. Do you remember how fearful you were when you had to go first day of school? Young people would have had to have done that in prep. They would have had to have done that three or four times now. They go to school for a couple of, couple of weeks, couple of months, and then they have to get put back home, and then they, they're they home for a couple of months. Imagine what they're going through. This is so bad for them socially and their growth as humans, Like, and we're not going to see the impact of this until 20 years down the track.
0: I think what you've alluded to before and, and what we've been speaking at today is, unfortunately, we have no control over what's happening. So all we can do is focus on what we can do, and not what we can't. And, um, I think if you can find a way, and like I get fucking sick of saying this myself because it's been like six and seven times now that we have to keep going through this. Like I think after three times, I've got the most out of lockdowns that I need. After the, the next three, it's the same lessons aren't there as much. But if people haven't picked them up in the first or second or third or fourth or fifth, maybe in the six you can realize that like this time is actually in a way beautiful just to slow down, think about where you're at, get on top of the shit that you're always putting to the back of um, your mind because you're too busy doing other things. And that's probably the only positive I can really take out of being locked inside. Like there's so much shit that I just would never have done unless I'd been locked inside to do it. And it's probably in a way nearly helped me focus on the places that I need to be because I'm not going out and doing stupid shit. I'm not going out... Um, you know, on the beers, every working with the boys. I'm not being able to go away and travel. Um, I'm literally just sitting at home thinking, fuck, what do I actually want to do right now? Who do I want to be? And how am I going to get there?
1: Yeah, that's growth mindset, man. Uh, but I think as well, like I've, there's Hugh Van Kallenberg, he's he said this in a podcast recently, like, like just accepting the situation, accepting it. And once you accept it, you, you stop trying to control it. Um, you know, I feel like often as humans, we try and control things and we can't control this. Like, and just when you accept it, like, it almost takes that anxiety and stress off your shoulders. And you can start, as you said, start focusing on, like, okay, you start looking internally or enjoying the time with your family. Like, you get to spend more time with your family than ever before. Um, there's a lot of positives that are going on right now that I just think are getting overshadowed by, obviously, like, media doesn't help they're always negative like fear-mongering like geez man just relax right
0: that's the one thing i would give advice to people for and and not that i'm a really big news watcher anyway but i literally have just refused to watch television now i've unsubscribed from news um on twitter i don't looked at it on facebook and i don't watch it on the tv because at the end of the day, we're going to fucking hear what happens. Like we're going to know like what's going to happen. Someone's going to tell you. The worst thing you can do is just be sitting down like worrying about the future, what's going to happen and and how it is because it's just it's honestly not good for anyone.
1: Yeah, it's been my mindset pretty much this whole pandemic. It's like I've, I've unfollowed and I don't watch the news, don't read the paper. And I've just said, if it is life threatening or very serious, someone's going to tell me anything else. I don't need to hear. I don't really care.
0: What's next for Harry Garside, mate? We've touched it on it all today. It's a pretty uh, promising future. Transition into professional boxing, have impact out of the ring. Um, is there anything in the new future you really want to tick off? Because I know once you put your mind to something, it's pretty hard to, to stop you doing it.
1: Yeah, I think to be honest, mate, obviously I'm I'm generally really passionate about, I'm passionate about young people. Um, but the Man Cave, who we spoke about on this, um, like they're doing a lot of powerful work for, for young males. And I think, Obviously, being a male myself, and, and I just think they're probably suffering a lot. Like, obviously, the male suicide rate is extremely high and stuff like that. And, and it's extremely high with young teenagers as well and stuff like that. And it's like scary. It's a scary statistic when you read it. And like, I really want to try my best just to, at the moment, try my best to help out people like the Man Cave or the Reach Foundation who are really trying to. Um, to do things for young people, to make them feel heard and connected and, and help them through this crazy time as well and, and just naturally help them grow as humans. Like regardless of the pandemic, being a teenager was such a weird time. There's a lot going on in your body, in the world, you're understanding things, you're a bit more conscious and um, I'm really passionate about that work because I know I needed it a lot when I was younger and I got it so I feel a bit of an obligation to give that back to young people as well.
0: To finish up, mate, anyone out there listening that of, of any age, any person there, um, but, but aiming towards that younger generation that, that you're speaking of, what would you say to a young Harry Garside that would help them get to where you are now?
1: I think just like that, that belief, like no matter what it is, anything that's humanly possible, if you have enough hunger, drive and passion and desire and curiosity, I always love throwing curiosity in there too, if you have enough of those five things, you can achieve anything in this world. Um, and like the big thing about me wearing nail polish and stuff like that at the, at the Olympics was just to showcase to young people that you can be whatever you want to be. You don't have to fit the mold that society pushes on you about how a male is supposed to be, how a, how a female is supposed to be, how someone from this area is supposed to be. You can do and be whatever you want as long as it's not hurting anyone else like as long as it feels right to you that like, that's all that matters and that's what I want young people to really believe
0: I love it brother thank you so much for your time today it's been unbelievable um you're spending some yes you're spreading some incredible messages to to all people across the world and um yeah just super blessed to have you on the show my friend and and to to call your friend now of the show um looking forward to catching up for some beers hopefully as soon as the lockdown ends and I want a table. I'm going to book a table at the first professional fight. Um, I want up close (laughs) and personal. I want sweat on my face from the ring. That's how close I want to be. I
1: love it, mate. I'll get you in the ring. You've been corner boy. You've been my water boy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dumb, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Big fan of your work, my friend, and so excited to see what happens next with you. And I'm sure the whole community will be loving it. following you along the way thank
1: you mate i'll uh once again shout out to harry stevens he's a big fan of this podcast so (laughs) want to be good mate
0: oh we love harry stevens thank you harry for all your love and support my friend and uh we'll make sure he comes along for some beers too
1: legend mate thanks for having me on
0: if that wasn't enough for you and you want even more you're in luck dylan friends is now on patreon dylan best friends an exclusive loyalty subscription featuring the debrief podcast of each episode and bonus Q and A's from Patreon members like this. This one's from our friend, Jono Baroosh. He says, ask Harry, what are some of his craziest monthly challenge he's set for himself being? So obviously one is the 12 hour meditation. What are some of these other ones that you're putting yourself through? Probably the
1: two that I took the most out of was the 48 hours, no talking. That was really tough. Obviously through this podcast, mate, I love talking and public reading. I remember being a kid and really struggling academically and public reading was really tough. So probably the two things I took most out of were those two.
0: And there's plenty more where that came from. If you'd like to learn more, you can head to patreon.com forward slash Dylan Friends or you can head to the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. If you like the show, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review or even share with your friends. The show is produced by myself and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual production. The show is recorded at the Dylan Friends Studio in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.